Good morning. I'm dressed like a beer bottle. You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast. Your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. This episode is brought to you by Untapped in the Untapped store. Use the coupon code podcast to get 20% off your next purchase at store.untapped.com. The coupon code is podcast. Save some bucks, grab some stuff, treat yourself. And as always, like, subscribe, all those fun things. And now we're going to turn it over to John. If you had to guess which one of us lost the bet from last episode, well, you shouldn't have to guess because it should be pretty obvious if you know what I'm talking about. Listen to last week later, but now let's tune into John the Beer Bottle Dispenza as he takes us away <laughs> into the episode. John? Just don't <laughs> pretend you're not wearing a costume, John. <laughs> Do you guys remember Furbies or caffeine-free Mountain Dew? <laughs> How about cheeseburgers in a vending machine or even yellow Starbursts, right? Do you know that there's a movie called The Lion King One and a Half? <laughs> there's a lot of things out there that shouldn't exist. And while this costume I'm wearing is definitely one of them, today we're back to make the point that pumpkin beers should exist. Or should they? Really, you're the only person that can decide that. But Harris and I are going to be tiptoeing around this like the teams that work on marketing for single-ply toilet paper or high-heeled Crocs. <laughs> we're bringing a beer from a Trappist brewery, and it's a pumpkin beer. So, yeah, uh, my eyes rolled a little bit when I first saw it. In order to be certified as a Trappist brewery, the facility must be located inside the Trappist monastic enclosure. That's basically fancy talk for a religious order that keeps its members separate from the affairs of the external world, which actually starts to sound like a really good idea. Um, So according to the rules of Trappist brewing, the beer has to be brewed within the walls of a monastery by the monks or under their supervision. And also the profits are intended for the needs of the community to live within the Trappist order or for developing charitable works and projects. So really good. There's no rules or laws about pumpkins, spices, or anything else. So if you're like me, you may have been one of the fortunate few to see this Trappist pumpkin beer on a shelf and thought, that shouldn't exist. (laughs) But I think we're in for a real treat with this one. And just as importantly, it's going to help us carry our journey through Badgeland. Harrison, which badge are we featuring on the show today? Much like John's costume, today's badge is gored to the last drop. Um, so that same the badge, gored to the last drop, puns for all. The description's pretty simple and in reference to the, I guess, hotly contended desire for this badge to exist. It just says, you've asked for it, and now it's finally here. Check into five different pumpkin beers to get your new core badge and so a little more detail about that this was released on the 11th of october in 2013 which as you can imagine 11th of october a lot of people were already knee deep in their pumpkin beers so kind of bummed that this badge came out maybe 
when they could have leveled it up pretty quickly. But whatever, that's in the past. Here we are almost eight years later, and we're going to see how many people have been unlocking it since it opened or it existed. It was created in a little bit. Um, and leveling it up, but I'm excited to do that and excited to see John and his costume and drink pumpkin beer. It's going to be great. going to be great. <laughs> Let's talk about it. What's happening? What are we drinking, John? So today on the show, as we kind of alluded to, uh, we're drinking a beer that I think there's two things that we need to really highlight about this beer. One, it's called Monkster Mash. Love Monkster it. Mash. Great name. When you great realize name. that number two, it comes from Spencer Brewery which is America's only Trappist brewery and the Super second youngest cool. Trappist brewery in the world right now. Hmm. So we'll do, honestly, and I swear and I promise Harrison and I are going to do a Trappist travesty episode mm-hmm. and we're going to talk more about that. But right now, this is about pumpkin and gourd beers. So Monster Mash from Spencer Brewery is a pumpkin beer at 5.2%. On Untapped, it rates 363 and it has 28, but we'll say about 3,000 check-ins, really, probably by the time anyone's listening to this. It's a seasonal beer, and it's not one that they produce a lot of because, as we all know now, as a Trappist brewery, you're not really in this for profit. You're doing this just for sustainability. You're Maybe I'll butcher this, but you're a really professional home brewer for the for the best part of it (laughs) and as harrison's got it poured into his glass they don't give us much information about this beer even on their website spencer doesn't really mention this although it's really popular on their social media so i'm gonna hope that harrison can kind of decode this what i can tell you is that they've been brewing it now for two years the first year they made it it was only about 55 barrels so it was a really small batch and they were kind of forced to brew and release this early as is common in the pumpkin beer world you have to kind of get to market early so they used uh, pumpkin puree which is common in pumpkin beers because if you wait until fresh pumpkins you're already too late too late um but that was the only thing i could dig up about it of course this is the recipe is supervised and built by the monks that run the brewery at Spencer in Massachusetts in America, uh, which is if you ever have the opportunity to visit one of 11 Trappist breweries and you're taking advice from a man dressed in a beer bottle costume. That's, that's what I've got for you. Harrison, (laughs) can can you please tell me how this beer tastes as I get ready to refresh myself as well? Yes, I'm excited for you to jump into this. We were pumped before we started recording, just talking about first pumpkin beer of the season, all that fun stuff. This is awesome. This is pumpkin pie in a glass. And I'll be more specific, that graham cracker crust that is on all great pumpkin pies, that's happening in here. It's kind of like a key lime pie thing. We're known, you know, obviously known for that. But um, the graham, it's like a graham cracker crusted pumpkin pie. It's awesome. And this is, you know, you're right. The description super simple. Ale brewed with pumpkins and spices. That's really all it needs to say. But that pumpkin pie note in there that I got right in the beginning, I, I was ready for like a beer that tasted like cinnamon and allspice. That is not this. That's happening, but there's, it tastes like a pumpkin pie. This is, this is great. Mm. Ah. Oh, I know, right? I've had pumpkin brews where they 
shove pumpkin pie into the beer. Right. And they don't taste as, I mean, this tastes like we just got done eating Thanksgiving dinner. I know. And I'm curious, we've learned from talking and interviewing with, you know, some pretty amazing brewers and a lot of the live events we do that oftentimes the way to create that graham cracker crust thing is with the introduction of some vanilla as one of the spices you're adding, I guess. Um, I wonder if they're doing that because it does just say spices. So it leaves that to your imagination um, unless you dive deeper. But that is really cool. Um, and it's also 5.2%, which got me excited. This is like a, like almost a sessionable pumpkin ale, which mm, lots of exciting things happening, but this is really good. And you're right. I wonder how that graham cracker is happening, but I'm, I don't care. It's delicious. I won't ask too many questions. Yep. Sometimes it's best to just kind of let the magic happen, I think. And that's mm. when I, when I saw, I'll mm. admit Right. I don't know a lot about Trappist beers or breweries. I know what I told you in the beginning of this show. <laughs> I know that typically we get really excited about Orval or Chimay or yes. Westy 12, right? Uh, the bit, like exciting. But I, when I saw that there was a pumpkin beer on the shelf from America's only Trappist brewery, I thought, what is. This is like Comic Sans. Why is, why is this exist? <laughs> Wingdings, right? Why is this? Yeah. Who's he, what is this for? Just right. make the, the Spencer Ale that you make that I've seen that's usually too expensive for me to buy, but it's a right. celebration. This is great, man. This rivals any pumpkin yeah. beer I can remember having. I agree. I think I, you're right. And, you know, I, I mean, they're, obviously, this is the time of year when every brewery cranks out their pumpkin beer and there's nothing wrong with brewing a beer with pumpkin spices and it's kind of a simple ale, right? It's just like very straightforward. It's not hoppy. It's really just kind of like a vessel for pumpkin spices. That's cool. But I do love when you do something different, like maybe it's an imperial pumpkin or it's a porter or it's, there's just something a little bit different about it. And for this one, it's got that, yeah, that I, it's got to be vanilla. The graham crackers are coming from, maybe it's graham crackers themselves, but it doesn't make it overly sweet, which, is, uh, which yes. is great too. Sometimes that happens. I've had other bigger pumpkin ales that have that vanilla note to it. that It just overtakes the beer and it kind of becomes cloying sometimes. And you're like, man, this is not enjoyable. It's, there's just too much happening. None of it's balanced. Maybe balance is the word for it, where it's not going to, it's, you know, it, it, you know, you're in a pumpkin beer, but it's surprising that it's almost, I would call it like a pumpkin pie beer and stand by that. Yeah. It's more pumpkin pie than pumpkin, I guess. It's, it's the first, exactly. And we talked about this, uh, I think every year we do a pumpkin right. episode right. <laughs> where, I mean, pumpkin is basically flavorless until mm -hmm. you add cinnamon, sugar and sure. all the spice and all the good stuff. It, but right. this, and I think that's why I always equate my favorite pumpkin beers with pumpkin pie. Like, it yeah. it tastes like that, like kind of still cold, gelatinous, store bought pumpkin pie that you eat. Right. It's like oh, it's like refreshing dessert. Yes, yes, right, refreshing. That's nice and cold. Put some whipped cream on it. So I'm getting a lot of that similar. Checking a lot of the similar boxes for me as well as a nice cold pumpkin pie with a scoop of vanilla ice cream or, or something. I Ooh. think this beer would be good with a scoop of vanilla. Man, what wouldn't be good with a scoop of vanilla? We don't need to do that again, but right. but one one day we'll do we'll, we'll have to make, do some beer fusions again. 
<laughs> right. And speaking of beer fusions, if you're a home brewer and, and a drinking socially listener, you may remember that the first year, I think it was the first year that you and I talked about pumpkins back in episode season two, episode 10, out of our gourds. Lots of gourd jokes tonight, but that's fine. Um, I kind of put a challenge out there and listed a recipe for a pumpkin brown ale that you can ferment inside a pumpkin. So if you're feeling adventurous, you want to make a messier porch or your closet or whatever, <laughs> your extra bathtub, um, I've got a recipe for it. We'll drop it in the show notes. I know of at least one person other than myself that has made it listen to the show. Maybe there are more. Let me know if you have. Let me know if you've made it and saw the recipe somewhere else or you're going to brew it this year. Share some pics. Jump in the Facebook group. Drinking Socially, we have a pretty big Facebook group. It's really active. If you haven't jumped in there and said hi, please do. Um, and what a great way to introduce yourself by saying, I brew the Out of Our Gourds pumpkin brown recipe, and here's my exploded pumpkin in the guest yes. room. Um, so. Honestly, sometimes <laughs> Harris and I make plans, and sometimes we just make it up. But if you're, if you're listening to this show and you can brew a beer and a pumpkin, or if you're one of the fans of Drinking Socially, like Irwin or some of the people that are actually good home brewers and you're making yeah. it all the time, yeah. send us a quick video or a picture of that. And I think we've, we'll have time. We'll be able to feature oh, like yeah. uh, home brewed pumpkin beers in a quick segment on an upcoming episode. Yes, easily. That, that would be awesome. For sure. Yeah, please do it. Ooh. And so while I'm dressed in my business casual, Harrison. Uh, <laughs> it's your Sunday best, I think. Your Saturday evening best. I'm going to see if Spencer needs any brewing help. Um, maybe we can reach out okay. to. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with bottles and I'm drinking out of a can. If we were drinking out of a bottle, I feel like there'd be some weird cannibalistic thing happening. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that in that suit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, before we get to the badge, I want to ask you a couple of questions about pumpkin beers. For anyone that's listened to the podcast, you should know by now, Harrison loves pumpkin spice everything. Uh, I was asking him about his coffee trips, and I know that he's already kind of created some oh, yeah. Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks monsters. That's he's right. probably, how many Trader Joe's pumpkin breads have you gone through yep. so far we, this season? We had, we did the, oh man, we did their pumpkin brownies and their apple cider donuts, and then... I've got pumpkin JoJo's, which are there like uh, cookie with some cream in the middle. It's reminiscent of another famous cookie cream, cream combo. Nah, not like that. Like uh, an Oreo. Um, okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, we Google when does Trader Joe's get pumpkin stuff in, and we ask the cashiers when it's not there when it's supposed to. So we're those people holding <laughs> you up in line trying to get your eggs. Asking, are they in the back? Stuff. Just right. go check. I know over. they're here. Right. I know they're here. I'll I wait. watched the truck. I followed it on the highway. <laughs> so, yeah, it's gotten a little insane, but yeah, you know, hobbies. They look a little different in the 30s than I thought they would, but here we are. <laughs> so, let's put maybe not in a hot seat, but let's put Harrison in like a, a, a slightly pre warmed seat. Mm, and nice. uh, I just want to ask a couple of pumpkin related questions. We're going to start with an easy one, Harrison. What is your favorite? Pumpkin beer. Favorite questions are always tough, but if you had to pick one, what's like a what's your iconic favorite pumpkin beer? This is close for me. We did it, I think it was last season on the podcast, the pumpkin pie porter 
from Deep River Brewing, which is, as it sounds, a porter that kind of tastes like a dark chocolate pumpkin pie. It's amazing. I get it every year. I buy more than I should, and, and but I'll drink it till the end of the year. I'll drink it on Thanksgiving. I'll drink it on Christmas. So it's that one is like one, and then one A is gorgeous. So gorgeous from Noda, which is similar to the beer we're enjoying tonight. It's a very straightforward kind of amber pumpkin ale. Um, but and that beer has won tons of. I think it's won the Great American Beer Festival, many multiple gold, silver, and bronzes for the pumpkin. I think that's an actual style uh, beer category. So um, those two are like one and one A for me that I only discovered within the last five years moving uh, down North Carolina. Yeah, I remember you talking about uh, the pumpkin pie porter, and that was delicious. Thanks for introducing me and hopefully some other people to it on the yes. podcast last year. What about if we go back the other way? Like, do you remember what your pump, pumpkin beer, I think 1996, seven ish, I equate it with like Shipyard yeah. and the beginning, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really like pumpkin saturated until maybe five years ago. Do you remember going back what your like first or kind of gateway pumpkin beer was? Yes, easily. It was Dogfish Heads Pumpkin Ale, which of course comes out every year. And it kind of rides that line between being like an amber pumpkin ale and a porter by being a brown ale with pumpkin in it. Obviously, Dogfish Head does you know great everything they do, but that was one of that was, I think, the first and certainly the most memorable pumpkin ale for my early craft beer drinking years. Because again, it wasn't just an amber pumpkin beer; it was a little darker, had some more things going on. Um, and Dogfish Head was like the coolest brewery, still are, but like the coolest brewery ever when you're a 21 uh, year old student in college. <laughs> Definitely 21. Definitely 21. <laughs> um, who's again just kind of like stumbling in the dark, dark room of craft beer surrounded by, you know, people who don't know what, anything about it. So, um, but that one stands out and, and always will. Okay, so I'm kind of getting a feeling based on your favorite beer and your gateway beer that darker equals better for pumpkins and Harrison. Mm. What about, like, for me, where are the pumpkin lagers? Why is the lakefront the only one? But aside from that question, um, what style of beer do you think is ripe for some pumpkin disruption? Like, where do you think pumpkins should go next? Right. And I mean, when you break it down and you think about what is a pumpkin, it's we've you said it, we've said it in other podcasts, it's really just like a starch source. Like pumpkin itself doesn't have a lot of flavor. I don't know how many fermentable sugars are in there where it's really kind of useful though to adding alcohol, but it certainly can add some body to a beer. So I would say throw pumpkins in anything, but I was amazed to see the shipyard who a lot of people equate to is like the pumpkin beer expert, pumpkin head, pumpkin beer experts, managed to make a pumpkin seltzer this year that is blown people's minds. I've seen some people drink it online that I trust their beer opinions and are like, this is awesome. So the, the seemingly inconceivable has been conceived. So now all bets are off and the future can be whatever we want it to be. But... If I try to think, I don't know, creatively or something about about what what okay, what would it go really well with that I haven't seen a lot of? 
my first thoughts are kind of like a, a rye beer. I think the spiciness that rye adds to the grain bill may complement the spices that go into a pumpkin ale. So like a pumpkin rye amber ale with just similar to this beer um, we're having tonight. Um, that may work. Or flip the script and go darker and have a Scottish ale yes. with some pumpkin in it. Um, why not? And this didn't remind me, though, that the first, when I was at Neshebny Creek Brewing Company outside of Philadelphia, the first beer I ever bottled was our Punkless Dunkel, which is a Dunkelweizen, so a dark wheat beer. It was like 8.5%, I think, too, so a pretty big one that we brewed with pumpkins, pumpkin and pumpkin spices. And that was a heck of a day to start the bottling line when I think at that point we were also like injecting spices in line at the bottler to make it super intense. So that was kind of a crazy first bottling experience, but that's a total different take on it. Wheat beer, dark, Belgian yeast happening, pumpkin spices, pumpkins, and it is delicious. And actually the barrel aged version of that beer is one of the most highly rated pumpkin beers on untap. So not tip your head, tip your whole everything to me. Um, but uh, anyway, no, not bragging, just stating facts. But um, so <laughs> pumpkin's a useful tool for mouthfeel, body, whatever you want to call it. Um, it could probably go on almost any beer, but rye beer, scotch ale, and throw it in your next uncle vice and see what happens. So, okay. So what about, we're talking about pumpkin beers. I'm picking up a lot of the, uh, really a lot of info from you. So thanks for <laughs> that. I really want to drink punkless dunkel. But why do you think, and this is more, I think, maybe more of like a just a brewing question, but why do you think so many pumpkin beers go with an ale yeast? Is it, I mean, it's the year of the lager. Do they know? Is it to help with speed and fermentation and logistics? Or is there something that ale yeast is doing with pumpkin maybe that just makes it work better? Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, it may, right. Lagers are, as we all know, can finish a lot cleaner. Maybe you want something that finishes a little fruitier to help, you know, highlight a lot of these spicy, clovey flavors that can come out of pumpkin ales. But Baltic Porter, pumpkin Baltic Porter, kind of cheating almost, but that would be probably delicious. Um, And and now I kind of want to brew one. So bloggers are going to be left out in the dark when it comes to pumpkins. You can... Find creative ways to do it. I know you said Lakefront does one. I'm sure there are a few, but also logistically, it's probably right. Ale, we can crank this thing out in 14 days and get it out the door. Um, whereas, right, taking up a lager tank when you're, eh, I mean, probably lagering a lot of other things, maybe um, getting ready to release maybe bigger Doppelbox or your own Baltic Porter or something else as the dark beer season is upon us. Um, maybe it makes more sense to move the public beers along a little quicker and have ALEs do that work. But, uh, you know, who knows? But Baltic Porter, Public Baltic Porter, maybe we'll make it one day. Maybe I'll try to certainly. Certainly couldn't do that in the pumpkin on your front porch. Yeah. Well, maybe if you live up north, maybe. but. I was going to say, you, yeah. yeah. I mean, ice box, pumpkin ice box, depending on how far north Ooh. you are. <laughs> Get your ice pick ready. Last question before we get to some of the badge stats for this uh, out of our gourd episode. 
do you think pumpkin beer, right? It's, it's duplicitous on the shelf. Sometimes there's there, this time of year, there's pumpkin beer all over. Right. Do you think that the pumpkin beer creep overrun overtake is helping or maybe hurting some of the Oktoberfest beers that come out around this time of year? Well, I mean, you may have kind of revealed a little bit of this answer with your earlier question about why aren't pumpkin beers lagers? Maybe the lager, the lager, you know, pathway is clogged up with Oktoberfest. There's already a lot happening in lager land right now. Let's live over here in pumpkin ale land with our pumpkin beers, you know, and and so, so to that end, maybe there are different audiences going after these beers, although... I'd like to imagine I'm kind of the average Joe in that uh, in many regards. And so I like both lagers, Oktoberfest and um, pumpkin beers. So maybe, maybe not, maybe, but maybe they're just kind of different itches you're trying to scratch. So overall though, pumpkin beers, Oktoberfest, it kind of just signals to a lot of people that I could stop sweating while sitting at my desk because cooler days are ahead and I'll drink whatever is cool in front of me, you know, while we sit by the fire and have some laughs in the backyard or whatever, whether it be an Oktoberfest or a pumpkin beer. So I hope it it really shouldn't interfere. There are such different beers. Um, in, in my mind, at least, they say the same thing of more football and more sure. bits and, and all the good things we like about this. Year. Even though you and I are sweating you more than me right now in your velvet bottle suit, but, um, just, we'll be sweating until New Year's Eve, but that's okay. That's uh, just, that's part of the part of living in North Carolina. <laughs> On our next episode of this shouldn't exist. It'll probably be a pumpkin flavored Oktoberfest beer brewed somewhere. Already. But until that day, Let's get into the badge stats for yes. Gord to the last drop here on Untapped. Let's do it. All it's, right. Yeah. Initially, this is the badge that got Untapped, or probably even at that point, just Greg Avola into a little bit of heat from some of the users. Like, why are you creating a pumpkin beer after pumpkin season? It's been right. eight years. Harrison did some digging. My, I would wager another costume episode. The pumpkin is the winner here. No shipyard on top of this list. If it's not pumpkin, I'm leaving. Yeah, well, I'm not going to beat you. I'm not going to take that bet because you're probably right. And maybe I know because I've already done some research. So you can't bet against the house. I guess you can, but not today. Um, (laughs) I don't want to lose again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So unlocks. Let's start there. We've got almost probably as of recording this episode or as of recording this episode, almost 340,000. I'm sure we'll pass it, though, by this release. 340,000 unlocks of this badge. Doing pretty well. And you are right, John. Right at the tippy tip top of that list is Pum King from Southern Tier Brewing Company, a beer we should all know and a beer we've had on the podcast. And you could argue, you know, made every brewery have to make a pumpkin beer um, with how popular that beer has become. Right after it is my gateway, Pumpkin Ale from Dogfish Head, which is happy to see that up there. And then Southern Tier comes back with the darker Warlock. side of things, the Warlock, which is yes. one great. That's one I'd love to do on the podcast, an Imperial Pumpkin Stout. Um, that's a big beer, if memory serves. Delicious beer. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, tune in next year or maybe next week. We'll see. Um, the future is, after all, unknown. Um, and then Pumpkin Ale, or Pumpkin Head, excuse me, from Shipyard comes in at number four. 
Harvest Punk from Blue Moon, which I saw, I think they released it only just a couple of years ago. Wow. Yeah. Doing well, right? And then Pump Kick from, from New Belgium, Jack O Traveler, Pumpkin Shandy. Shandy's dancing around in the fall. Why not? Night Owl Pumpkin Ale from Elysium, which is another amber ale, but Elysium makes so many cool pumpkin beers. They have Punkachino, which is like a coffee pumpkin beer. That makes me happy as I as a Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts purveyor or consumer. Um, they have a Dark of the Moon, which is a pumpkin porter, I believe. And then Post Road Pumpkin, which is one of the first ones I had too, around the same time as Dogfish Head. Kind of saw that everywhere in New England. Their pumpkin ale, another amber pumpkin, and then uh, Shawflies from St. Louis. So their pumpkin ale, which wins tons of awards and is very highly rated. And a lot of people consider it like the best of the amber pumpkin beers, uh, pumpkin ales rather, and that finishes up this list. So, you know, as far as it goes, I mean, it's not all just amber pumpkin ales. There's some much variety, really, as you could probably hope to find in a pumpkin beer list you're finding here in the top checked in ones for this batch. And you got New Belgium's Pump Kick. I thought that was a really cool yeah. idea. They put cranberry in that one. Ooh, uh, which right. A little more Thanksgiving-y. I think Flying Dog does a pumpkin beer that's really spicy, too, if I remember correctly. And New Belgium does one now, too. They're Atomic Pumpkin yep which is like a spicy pumpkin beer. So people are having fun with it, taking spice in different directions as you should. That's what it's for. That's why they built the Silk Road. That's sort of. The, right. I think it was for Silk. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> beer distribution. Spices, right. Education. Who knows? So for pumpkin beers, Harrison yeah. and Gord to the last badge or drop mm. in this case, mm. I am only at a level two. Um, I would disclaimer, I would probably be at level 40 if we had a pumpkin badge. Um, because yeah. I, that's 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 the one I go for every season where I'm like, all right, it's pumpkin season, I'm gonna grab pumpkin and maybe two or three others. The last time I drank and leveled this badge up was around podcast time last year. So, this is a really seasonal beer for me, like, I really only allow myself to purchase and consume them around 30 days out of every year and it almost always is going to include pumpkin so variety is a tough one to make this a really high level badge for me that's my excuse what about you harrison yeah my excuse is pretty similar so i'm also sitting at the honorable level two um the honest whatever level two (laughs) that's the truth um and i kind of had the same analysis looking at this and just looking at my check-ins and kind of going back and realizing i didn't uh, on the badge there wasn't even a single unique pumpkin beer i checked in in 2020 so i went to look at what beers i checked in this time of year and it was all of the the pumpkin (laughs) pie porter from deep river so we went over this in the previous podcast and i really do treat untapped like a beer journal each year There are beers, specific beers I like to drink around Christmas, around Thanksgiving, around, you know, New Year's, Halloween, um, that aren't going to help me level up any badges that require unique check-ins to do so. Uh, And if any badge is, I guess, most susceptible to that is probably this one, because I really rarely venture out of the well-worn pumpkin ale road that I've already walked down however i am gonna stay on this show right now that i like this beer so much it'll probably jump into that list i'll probably try and grab a four pack of this now 
every year and enjoy it uh, with whatever scary movie Netflix cranks out in front of me um, because it's great and it's one I never had. So thank you for sharing with us today, John, because it's this may be a thing that while it helps me today will be a thing that makes me scratch my head for years to come going, why isn't this helping me level up? The good dear gorgeous drop bad. What the heck? What are you doing all the time? I'm only level two. <laughs> so I don't have to remind myself that I know why, but ultimately also that it's, you know, not going to make that movie any less or more scary or that night any more or less endurable or the ice cream I sneak along beside it any more or less amazing. So True. Um, again, lots of good things to look forward to, including right now. Your verified venue hide of the week. Where are we going? What's happening, John? True. This week, Harrison, we're going to Belgium. Ah. Mostly because Belgium's the home of the most Trappist brewers in the yes. world. So we're featuring Browery de Halfaman. Nice. I think that's as close as I can get out in Bruges or Bruja nice. in, in Belgium. Love it. Good um, movie. The Half Moon Brewery for those of us that uh, that grew up here Ooh. in North Carolina. The Half Moon Brewery <laughs> is this week's featured verified venue. It's almost always trending location on Untapped. There's a lot of check-ins happening here. It's a historical brewery. It's family-owned for I think six generations. All family-owned. I mean, we don't even have six generations in America, but <laughs> uh, like barely. But um, and I actually had the pleasure of speaking with a couple of members of their staff back when I was on the Untapped Sales team. Really cool people. Talked to a guy named Ron who was in a rocking chair, just very, very Harrison-esque, chill man <laughs> talking about brewing. I like it. They're have been over 20,000 different untapped users that have logged a beer in their verified tap room. So it gets a lot of traffic. We're talking about about five, 600 check-ins a month at the half man's tap room, six generations, each of them succeeding each other since about the 1850s. So one after the other, if you're like, Oh, my dad wants me to be a doctor. Imagine growing up in this family where it's just, you're brewing on the same tanks that your grandfather and his grandfather wow. brewed on. Wow. Uh, but basically everybody kind of approaches it. Each generation maybe makes some changes, but always to obtain a superior quality of beers with respect tr- to tradition. A couple of cool facts I pulled really right from their website. In 1905, both of the brewery owners passed away. Mm. Both of the sons of the of the founder passed away. Their wives mm. took it and ran instead of just selling it. You know, like we may see uh, sometimes when you're experiencing crisis, their wives were like, "No, we're going to do this." They ran. They kept it going through World War One, through World War Two, oh. and they brought a lot of innovation to brewing in Belgium. Like they were introducing cold fermenting tanks. They were introducing home delivery, which is something we all thought we invented during COVID. These guys were doing it in a horse and cart. Wow. And and then it took until about 1997. Veronica, who was leading the charge at the brewery, started to kind of rename from the Mays Family Brewery into the Half Moon. I think the coolest thing about them is around five years ago in September 2016, they built a beer pipeline in the city of Bruges. Their beer flows over 3.2 kilometers where they brew it in the city center 
And then there's a pipeline that all the beer goes a mile and a half down the road to a bottling plant. Wow. And this helps keep a lot of like the big truck traffic out of the city. It reduces a lot of ecological footprint and needs. I mean, yeah. this, this brewery is doing some really cool things and they've been doing it for a hundred plus years. Um, and if you're able to go to Belgium, drink, drink everything and eat. Harrison, <laughs> um, I sent you their website. Did you find anything cool that happens at the Half Man if you're pl making plans? Yes. So when you said it to me, I was hungry, as I always am, and was happy to discover they offer something called a beer masterclass. That's what they're calling it, or at least what Google translated it into being. Um, but nonetheless... This is so cool. It's like a whole evening experience. There's an extensive tour of the brewery. They have a museum there as well. Obviously, John did shared some of the histories. There's lots more than just what's the tanks and the taps to learn about when you go to the brewery itself. But then you can take seats at a table afterwards, and the chefs kind of surprise you and your friends you brought with you with a tasting menu, lots of beers, lots of food. Um, and after the main course, you actually can go and learn how to tap, you know, your own beer. There's a tapping course under the guidance of a beer sommelier. So Cicerone, I'm assuming, or someone, you know, like that knows what the heck's going on. But the menu was, you know, pretty exciting. And then they have this killer dessert, too. But, I mean, there's like tortellini with rossini mushrooms and mascarpone colored tomato, buffalo mozzarella, which I'm kind of curious about. Um, fried onion, there's some African pumpkin, pumpkin, um, <laughs> I mean, all kinds of stuff here, obviously tons of cheeses, a bunch of forested fruits, waffle potatoes, which I can imagine in my mind. So anyway, I mean, jump on the website and check it out more, but, but pretty impressive just to see, see that and the experience. It's very rare that you kind of come across a brewery tour that ends with like a, you know, a multi-course meal and pairing. So I thought that was amazing. It just speaks to kind of how Belgian breweries haven't just been doing this for a really long time. They've been doing it really well for a really long time. So they're definitely making you slow down and celebrate this and how all well these beers do pair with food. Um, so yeah, if you're able to do that, check it out. It's limited to smaller groups of people, which is great as well. Um, so you don't have to you know, worry about that. But yeah, grab some friends, your whole extended family do this for the holidays whatever you want um but yeah i definitely definitely has jumped on that list it's getting probably impossibly long for me of where am i going <laughs> when i can go places again um this is going to happen if i have a chance to sneak away to belgium for a day or a couple hours i think this will probably be the first if only place i go to for this experience alone so um, amazing stuff they're doing beyond just the beer themselves and the amazing history that uh, that that brewery is uh, built upon. Yeah, if you're if you're fortunate enough to be in Belgium, uh, the yeah. Half Man Half Moon is been a trending location for I don't know three or four years off yeah. and on. And one thing that always makes me feel insufficient is that <laughs> their their staff and you, like if you do one of those uh, master classes that Harrison was talking yeah. about they can do it in Dutch French or English mm. uh, je parle un peu français but that's all I know how to say in French right. so like, bravo to you and your language mastery Europe other things 
that Harrison and I are good at mastering is drinking beer. And it's been another long week, Harrison. Anything coming out when I ask you what the best beer of the week is? Oh, yeah. So this one was fun. It was a doozy right in line with this lovely year of the lager we're all hopefully enjoying. I enjoyed Resurgence, Resurgence from Trophy Brewing. It's a transcontinental lager. That's how they describe it. Makes total sense. It's because it's a collab with Eggers Hop Growers in New Zealand and Trophy, which is in North Carolina. So it's utilizing New Zealand hops and North Carolina malt, and they actually had some corn in this beer too, for Waka hops specifically. Um, low ABV beer, very good. Kind of like, you know, um, it wasn't Pilsner. It was more like almost like a very light session IPA almost. I mean, the hops weren't overbearing at all. But they were definitely there. And those New Zealand hops, they're so pronounced and fruity and fun on a lager that's, you know, beautifully made. They, there's no way they're not going to jump out. But it was very different. It was delicious. And right away from kind of set number one, I was like, oh, this is my best beer of the week. So that was an easy choice. What about you, John? What have you? Uh, what did you discover and experience and have some fun with? Uh, my beer is probably I don't one of the ones I shouldn't have been able to drink. It's called Santa Diabla or Santa okay. Diabla, and it comes from a, a brewery that I love the name of. It's called Harry Stuff. Ah, dang it! it makes makes me think of Harrison Harry Damn Stuff Brewing now. Company. It's there. It's their most checked in beer on Untapped. Huh. But I should I shouldn't it, had they not pushed into canning and maybe a. Brian McCaskey, thank you. But this fruited sour had raspberry and blackberry, and it was barrel age, which I think is a nice little like extra oh, uh, wow. variable to add. Yeah. But it was a, a light fruited sour, and as we're pushing more into fall, I'm starting to just try like hell now to hold on to the flavors of summer. So thank <laughs> you, Harry Stuff Brewing, for helping me out one more time. Wow, that sounds delicious. Once again, John, you're getting all these crazy beers. That beer on Untapped only has, as of recording, less than 160 check-ins. So hairy stuff. I'm not going to talk you know, down on their marketing team, but may, whatever. I'm sure they're doing great and fine. And if it's your best beer of the week, then they're clearly doing something right. Um, but cool as heck, get your hands on it. Brian is always looking out. For the beer fans out there, so hats off to him as always. Well, we did it. Another episode of the books, Pumpkin Beers. This one is going to land on my annual list. So thank you again, John. But learn a little bit about Trappist Breweries. More to come on that, though, in the near future. I feel like it's maybe a bad we should highlight about Trappist Breweries. You'll see. We'll see. We'll all see. But cool history lesson, jumped over to Belgium, talked about cheese and beer and food. John's wearing a goofy suit because I'm good at gambling. Um, what more could you want? Follow us online. I'm at Harry Beerbeard everywhere. John is a dream with John. Find us, tag us here, check-ins, tweet at us, Google us, but not too much. Um, nice. And uh, what's happening next week, John? What are we... Well, I mean, next week is kind of a gamble, too. There's some things that are up in the air. You're definitely going to want to tune in or subscribe and follow to make sure that you're made aware of by your smart devices. But tune in next week and maybe, maybe bring your mittens. Hmm. So until then... Cheers! Yeah! 
Cheers. This is delicious.